1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Passanomo, our state senator. We'll find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and we'll visit with my wife, Linda, the author of. Greetings from Paradise. I will be with us as well. It is March the sixteenth, and on this day in two thousand eight, Bear Stearns, the eighty-five-year-old investment bank, narrowly avoided bankruptcy by its sale to J.P. Morgan Chase and Company at the shockingly low price of two dollars a share. With a stock market capitalization of twenty billion dollars in early two thousand seven, Bear Stearns seemed to be riding high. But its increasing involvement in the hedge fund business, particularly with risky mortgage backed securities, paved the way for it to become one of the earliest casualties of the subprime mortgage crisis that led to the Great Recession. In the early mid 2000s, as home prices in the United States rose, lenders began giving mortgages to borrowers whose poor credit would otherwise have prohibited them from obtaining a mortgage. Of course, a lot of that was driven by government pressure. With the housing market booming, Bear Stearns and other investment banks became heavily involved in selling complex securities based on these subprime mortgages with little regard for how risky they would turn out to be. After peaking in the mid-2006, housing prices began to decline rapidly and many of these subprime borrowers began defaulting on their mortgages. Mortgage originators started feeling the effects of the crisis first. New Century Financial, which specialized in subprime mortgages, declared be- Chapter 11 bankruptcy Excuse me, in April 2007. In June, Bear Stearns was forced to pay some $3.2 billion to bail out the high-grade structured Credit Strategies Fund, which specialized in risky investments, like collateralized debt obligations or CDOs and mortgage backed securities. The following month, the firm revealed the high grade fund that another relatively high hedge fund had lost nearly all of their value due to the steep decline in the subprime mortgage market. Uh, the real source of this information is the, the Lewis's book, Great Great Book, Big Short, Michael Lewis just a terrific reading to, to uh, find out all about this, but it was a, a real mess. I think government really <clears throat> opened up the door for people who did not qualify for mortgages to get them. People were buying up real estate and buying up homes, and of course, the big bubble burst, and unfortunately, Bear Stearns was one of the victims of this entire thing. A uh, very sad story indeed, but I do encourage you, if you have an interest in this, is reading Michael Lewis's great book, The Big Short, among other great books that uh, that he has written. As it turned out, Bell would would be only the first in a string of financial firms brought uh, bought low by a combination of income losses and diminishing confidence in the market. In September 2008, Bank of America Corporation quickly purchased the struggling Merrill Lynch, can you believe it? While venerable Lehman Brothers collapsed in bankruptcy, a stunning failure that would kick off an international banking crisis and drive the nation into the biggest economic meltdown since the Great Depression. Didn't have to be that way. Should have let things happen naturally. And of course, I think things would have turned out a lot better with a lot less uh, government money involved, in my opinion. Without specifically mentioning his home state of Florida and governors around the stand, Senator Rick Scott appeared on Fox News on Monday to reiterate his call for state governors to return all the non-COVID-related stimulus money that was recently appropriated in the $1.9 trillion funding law. You ought to give it back, said Senator Scott to governors, when pressed about the $5.4 billion budget deficit Florida faces As a result of a COVID-19 panic that he might be hard-pressed not to accept the money, Scott said the states were already sent $500 billion to cover the COVID costs and that there could be another trillion dollars in federal assistance that had not been spent by states. Look, if it's not based on COVID response, you know we ought to be giving the money back from all over the country, he added Scott. So I hope everybody, including mayor, every governor, Says money, I don't need to cover to cover COVID. I'm going to give it back to the federal government. Well, that's a nice wish. It's a nice thought, and I understand. I know Governor Scott pretty well. I should say, uh, Senator Scott, at this point, and I certainly understand his point of view. It's not going to happen, obviously, especially from the blue states. Uh, but we don't need the money here in Florida. Uh, we're going to get money, and uh, quite frankly, it comes. Back to taxpayers anyhow, in one sense. So in that sense, it's a good thing. But unfortunately, we're bailing out blue states uh, that unfortunately should not be receiving this money. Sad thing indeed. Well, New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees announced his retirement on Sunday. Uh, he's the NFL all-time leader with 80358 Career passing yards and 7,142 completions. His 571 touchdowns ranked second to Tom Brady's 581. Well, uh, Brady, of course, is going to break all these records, but irrespective, Breeze was quite a quarterback and quite a gentleman and quite a citizen in in, uh, New Orleans. He spent 15 seasons with New Orleans uh, and then played with the Chargers. Before that, he was a 13 time Pro Bowl selection. Till the very end, I exhausted myself to give everything I had to the Saints organization, my team, and the great city of New Orleans, he said. We share some amazing moments together, many of which are emblazoned in our hearts and minds and will forever be part of us, he said. This is really a new beginning for him because, as it turns out, he's being hired uh, as a commentator He's uh, going to be jumped from the New Orleans Saints clubhouse right into the NBC announcer booth as an analyst for Notre Dame football. It was also noted that Breeze will be part of their coverage for the next year's Super Bowl and also be part of the network's Olympic broadcast team. So Breeze has quite a future as an announcer. Uh, great guy. And it couldn't happen to a nicer fellow. I'm ha- very happy for him to see what he- what, uh, what's happened for him and for his family. I'm most excited about those things because I think that so that's where we can make the biggest impact. Breeze told the morning show there is still so much need in the country and in the city. I'm excited we have the opportunity to be involved in these things. And he's talking about the Breeze Dream Foundation, founded in 2003 to serve cancer patients and provide care for families. Great guy, uh, Drew Breeze. Congratulations to him. Well, a 65-year-old woman was violently thrown to the ground and arrested in a Texas Bank of America for not wearing a mask, despite the fact that the mandate was lifted in the state the day before. Shocking camera uh, footage, body camera footage of the incident was released by the Galveston police. The woman, 65-year-old Terry White, went to the bank on Thursday without a mask. The day after, Governor Greg Abbott lifted the mandate. In the footage, a bank manager directed the officer to to White, who explains that the state has lifted the mandate. The officer tells the woman that under Governor Abbott's directive, businesses can still require people to wear masks inside. 65-year-old woman violently arrested in Texas Bank of America for not wearing a mask despite mandate being lifted, and explains that she just wants to pull her money out of the bank. But the officer says... She must come back with a mask to do so. Most places of business have masks if, if customers don't have them anyhow, but apparently this place didn't. Ma'am, listen, we can do it this the easy way or the hard way, the officer tells her. What are you going to do, arrest me, she asked. That's hilarious. The woman began to argue with the customers before being taken to the ground by the officer. Uh, just unbelievable that something like this could happen. Uh, Bank of America has declined to comment on the arrest specifically. They released the following statement. We remain focused on supporting blah blah, blah, blah blah. You can imagine the rest of the statement. a complete embarrassment to Bank of America and how stupid can this possibly be to end up throwing a woman to the ground for not wearing a mask when the mask mandate was listed uh, the day be- lifted the day before. We are so fortunate to be Floridians. Uh, there have been no mask mandates. In fact, the government basically said whatever fines that may exist or whatever penalties that may have been existed as a result of this whole thing, they're not going to be enforced. We're going to do away with them. <clears throat> uh, and right now, if you look at South Florida right now, the place is booming, said Governor DeSantis, a Republican recently gloated. Los Angeles isn't booting. New York City isn't booming. To call what is happening in Florida an actual boom is a stretch. Yet, in a country just coming out of the morose grip of a coronavirus lockdown, Florida feels unmistakably hot. And it's not just because of global warming. Things are going great in Florida. We're so fortunate to have Governor DeSantis. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by... Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasanomo, our state senator. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob. Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden
1: Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lullaby's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time.
0: to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Morten- Mortensen. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasademo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Good morning.
1: I can only imagine the excitement of what's happening up there in Tallahassee as bills are flying across your desk. Maybe you can... It's
2: pretty amazing.
1: <laughs> is it? Yeah, well,
2: you know, my role this year is so different as rules chair. Every single bill that is filed, um, you know, I have to review to reference to committees. And then you've got to keep an eye on them because if a committee hears a bill and they amend it substantially, I have to go back back to it and and maybe even re-reference it to other committees. So it's um, it's a lot of village vigilance.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, anything particular standing out? What, what are some of the things that might be of interest to our listeners?
2: Well, the big uh, topic of the day today is the Bright Futures um, Bill that um, is pretty much misunderstood by a lot of people. There was a basically the, the bill that... Uh, was filed by Senator Baxley, and we've amended it substantially. Takes a look at the Bright Futures uh, that, uh, in, in terms of, you know, students who uh, qualify, who get good grades on their tests, et cetera, uh, can get their college tuition paid for by the state mm-hmm. at a college at, the, at a Florida uh, college university under the Bright Futures system, um, and this it works pretty well. Except over the years. Some of the colleges and universities have added degree programs um, that are, for lack of a... They, they, they don't lead to getting a job. There are, I, we use the term basket weaving because we don't want to be politically incorrect because there's a lot of odd degrees out there. Uh-huh. So if somebody wants to get a degree in basket weaving... Um, and that is not a real degree, but I'm using that as an example. Sure. The question you have is: if you get a degree in basket weaving that the state is paying for, and it could be significant dollars, can you get a job um, as a basket weaver? Right. And so we we want to look at that because we don't want students to um, go through four years go through high school where they are planning for bright futures, and then through four years of college. Uh, that the state pays for to get a degree that they can't use. Now it's it's not there's not a lot of them, but there's some, and so we want to take a look at that and and say, look, if you want to get a degree in basket weaving, uh, that's your choice. But the question is, should the state pay for that? Right. And we're having a lot of discussions. I'm getting calls from parents who who feel that there's that their child should be able to follow their dream no matter what. Um and the, some of the colleges and universities that don't want to lose that degree program because they've either gotten grant funding or something or ginning up people, unfortunately, and saying we're going to take away bright futures. And that's totally wrong. Um, but I think it's something that we need to take a look at, at least that students know that their degree is something they can either use or not use. So, well,
1: and, and um, that's. Remind yep. me, Kathleen, but I'm I'm thinking back. This goes back to Governor Scott's time, I think, and my recall is that he had de- wanted to develop these inexpensive uh, uh, degree programs, STEM programs that would lead to uh, lead to uh, uh, jobs. So right. I, I think that would be right in concert with what he's thinking. So I, to me, I just don't even understand the controversy.
2: Well, the the controversy is, is one that is caused by misinformation provided to uh, uh, families, and you know it's hard to to read uh, legislation, you know, as, from the you know the the four corners of the of the bill,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because
2: anything that we do has consequences throughout statutes, and you have to look at um, the entire effect of the bill. And, and it is and it is hard to do. I mean, I'm trained as a lawyer, and I have to go back to the statute books a lot of times with proposed legislation to see where they fit in. So people may just read it and think that it's some terrible concept. Now, I know the original bill that was filed did have some flaws, and we spent a lot of time, or, or the, the staff did spend a lot of time with the bill sponsor to make changes to it. But, you know, basically the concept is um, the state will pay 100% if if um, unless you're you have a degree that through the board of Governors review is something that you you know has low uh, um, likelihood of getting a job and and actually making money you know we don't want a student to go through four years of uh, college was to get a degree in, again, I'll use the term basket weaving, which that's not one of them, but it's an easy concept to understand, and then get a job at McDonald's. Right. Um, because that doesn't make sense. Right. So, um, and, there are, and I would think that most degrees, particularly the humanities, um, are don't don't apply, because you can get a job with a degree in English. You know, you, you can get a job, the degree in history, you can get a job with a degree in Political science but there are some that don't need <clears throat> to degrees uh, or even and, and then maybe you even have to go to graduate school which also costs money yeah and even then the only degree you could have is to teach that and that I mean I don't know how, how
1: it's you know, you know I I, can, know. I would even be supportive of just spelling out the degrees that do qualify so you know if you're
2: well that that would be that's global thermal nuclear war. Um, families have been, <laughs> you know, when you realize that bright futures are things that families start talking about when the kids are like in middle school yeah. about how you do well on the standard tests and etc. That you can get your college paid. I mean, most school is unique in that regard. So um, th- this is like a, a sacrosanct, and, and I ha- I'm getting hundreds <clears throat> of emails from people. Who don't either don't understand it or don't want being told the wrong information. And that's troubling to me, but that's what happened. Yeah. Well the, uh, el- the other the
1: other side to it of course is if you take a look at the reality of what's happening in terms of people and what getting jobs and so forth. Uh you know, it may be that these people may be out of touch with what, what the reality is because you know this degree, and I'll use again basket weaving. That's the one you brought up. <laughs> People aren't getting jobs as basket weavers. Just doesn't right. make any sense.
2: Yeah, and it's and, and again, basket weaving is just my my example because I don't want to set, pick a, an occupation because that's not the legislature's job to do. We're not equipped to do it, but the the board of governors should look at, um, and they have a program, and it's apparently the. It's, uh, it's something they have been doing, yeah. where they actually look at all the degree programs and look and see what kind of job students get when they when they graduate with them, whether it's in that program or in that degree, what kind of salary, what kind, of, you know, it's it's all matrix, it's all computers and and so that would be their responsibility to let us know. Um, so
1: maybe, maybe maybe the legislation should read well. We you, we'll go ahead and pay for it as long as you end up with a job that pays some minimum salary like thirty thousand dollars a year. Afterwards, otherwise, you've got the tab. You've got to pick up the. T- <laughs> be- uh,
2: well, it's it honestly. I I, I can see uh, both sides. What I think the bill that we have now. Um, you know we will maybe we'll pay all of it. We'll pay some of it or part of it it's it's a work in progress i don't know whether this yeah. is something that we will be able to pass because it's so emotional anytime you have an education bill it's so emotional uh, uh, it's the most emotional you would think healthcare issues were more emotional but not no education we have i think my understanding is that people are coming up here in droves to protest
3: today
1: about so, the bill so interesting. so we'll see yeah we'll see you know. So interesting that that actually surprises me as being the number one thing that's uh, drawing so much attention right now.
2: Today, that's today. There, you know, tomorrow it'll be something else. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. You know.
1: well, well, we just genuinely appreciate the fine work that you're doing up there, Kathleen. And again, uh, ser- again serving as the rules chair—that's a big responsibility—and uh, we just genuinely thank you for your time here on the show. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you. I have a great day.
1: You as well. Thank you so much. All right. Coming up, we're going to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. That or more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I'd like you to give Choice Social a try. It's a new and refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast, what's on your mind, Boo?
3: Well, I'll tell you, I'm back on my soapbox. Uh And uh, I am so happy and so grateful to be spending most of the year in Florida, Naples particularly, and, you know, now we have spring break, and we've got thousands and tens of thousands of kids coming to Florida, uh, both on this coast and the other coast. In fact, all over Florida and probably Texas, because we have Republican governors that have opened the state. But if you watch CNN, the last time they said spring break in Florida could spell disaster for the country. Yep. And I think that that is the, the travel scare revolves around the effort to discredit Governor Ron DeSantis.
1: No question. It could be a real spreader, what do you call a super spreader, just like the uh, Trump rallies. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: I am just—I am so fed up with all of this. And you know, we went downtown for dinner last night. And you want to say, "Welcome to capitalism. Mm
2: -hmm. Welcome
3: to running a business. Welcome to getting out and going back and not living in this continued fear." Now Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people have had shots, but um, so you ask yourself, well, how much does this tourism and uh, spring break, how much money does it generate for Florida? 13 billion in wow. federal tax revenue and 11 billion in state and local tax. That's a lot of dinero.
1: That is a lot of tamales. So, you know, it is huge. No question that kind of tourism really helps out. And the fact of the matter is, if you take a look at the age award, I mean, even if people get COVID 19, even if there's an outbreak, the li- likelihood is they're going to get the sniffles and get the cold. It's not going to be a severe type of experience anyhow.
3: I agree. And uh, it's, it's. aren't you just kind of done with all of the...
1: Yes, I am. In fact, did you read about this woman in Texas that was, uh, she came in to close her account without a mask. They said, well, you got to wear a mask. She said the day before, of course, the governor said, that, no, you don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> they ended up throwing her to the ground, handcuffing her. <laughs> was, no. Uh, yes, unbelievable. And, you know, fortunately, nothing like that's going to happen here in Florida. But uh, that's, it's, it's just an unfortunate incident there. And, uh, and of course, that Bank of America is a place where it happened. And, of course, they've got this long statement about safety and so forth. blah, blah, blah. It's got to be a complete embarrassment to the company. I would think so. Yeah. A little overreaction. I would say.
3: I would. But, you know, I, there's so many fascinating things going on right now. You know, we're at the age where you think, oh, should I be exercising more? Well, <clears throat> they did a study, and it was a huge study.
1: Uh-huh.
3: And they, they they monitored all these different factors about what contributes to making people live longer. So you would think, I would think, that it's the basic thing, you know, uh, low hypertension, clean air, uh, being lean, watching what you eat, watching what you drink, you know, exercise, you know, all the, the, um, the basic things that we've all been told our whole life. Well, what do you think of all of the, of the list of all the things that you can do to make yourself live longer that will contribute to your longevity? What do you think that the two most important ones are?
1: Well, you know, you bring this to my this, this woman was 117 years old. You know what she said? It's eating Scotch? No. Eating eating 10 gin soaked raisins every morning. <laughs> was, was her there you response, go. was her response. But you know, the honest answer, I I really don't know what is the answer.
3: Well, it's not what you would think it would be. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Close relationships Yeah. In social integration. In other words, we're herd animals. We need to be around people. That's what keeps you young. That's what keeps you motivated. That's what keeps your mind active.
1: Yeah. That's far more
3: important than quitting smoking.
1: That does not surprise me in the least. In fact, that's if anything, that's the big price we're paying right now for this pandemic as people are becoming socially distanced. Yesterday I would I was wearing a mask, and I do that not for health reasons. I do it just basically to keep mask Nazis away from me. But uh, So I'm going to get on the elevator, and the guy says, I don't want you to come on the elevator with me. He was wearing a mask. And I said, okay, I'll get on the elevator with you. <laughs> you know, could that ever happen? Can you ever possibly imagine that happening at any other time than during this pandemic? Wow. Isn't that something? Wow.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, I walk outside. I There's so many people that are so freaked out about being even outside with and wearing a mask that yeah. they run into the street yeah. that I've gotten. So I I walk now at 615. It's pitch black out. There's nobody there.
1: Yeah. No, I know that uh, people are so concerned about it. And uh, I see people. But, you know,
3: you're if you're outside, you know, in an elevator, okay, you're closed in box for like, what, 30 seconds, but outside, you're not near anybody. I mean, if you want to wear a mask outside, go for it, but there are people that run into the street to get away from, I mean, it's just like, oh, for goodness sakes.
1: Well, I think the, quite, and I go back to this, I've said it so many times, I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing it, but to me, I think the pandemic of fear is worse than the pandemic of the virus itself. People have become so overwhelmed with their fear about this that uh, they lost all proportion about the importance of the, of the virus and what can actually happen as a result. And uh, the consequences, quite frankly, are, in fact, in my opinion, the uh, possibility of an unintended consequence from taking the virus, uh, the vaccine, may be worse than just uh, ending up getting the virus itself.
3: I agree. And how do you know?
1: Yeah, you don't know. Uh, and I look, I'm not trying to dissuade anybody from getting the vaccine. I just personally have don't feel like I have enough information. We've got new vaccines coming out all the time. We just found out that AstraZeneca is being taken off the market. We don't even yeah. have it here in the United States. But you know, we're finding out more and more about this stuff. I'm not sure... To me, and I think it's important, every person make their own decision about their own body. For me, I'm not getting the uh, vaccine yet.
3: Well, I applaud you. Uh, You may be the smartest one of all of us doing it. You know, I did go. (coughs) Lauren and I got the Pfizer shot, Uh and it's supposed to give you, let's say, what, 80% more coverage? Right. I'm okay with that. Do I feel like I need to get another one?
1: Not really. Yeah, yeah. No, I I bet you there's a lot of folks who feel exactly the same way. They're just not going to go and get the second shot. But, uh, well, well, we'll see what happens. It's uh, such an interesting time. In the meantime, our uh, good old Fauci is saying we need to wear double masks. <laughs> guy's you know, out that guy control.
3: needs a hobby. He did.
1: He needs to he needs to somehow get another job of course he's got the do you realize he's the highest paid government official in the in the country
3: if not the world I mean yeah, yeah I'm not surprised yeah I mean you can turn on c n n on at three in the morning and the guy is doing a live show i mean he's he's got a tremendous amount of exposure he tremendous
1: sure, he sure does. Well, Boo, I appreciate your bringing these very important issues to our attention. I genuinely appreciate your commentary in the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: So my advice to everyone is, yeah. go out and talk to somebody. Go out and make a new friend. Well, hey, that, no, you'll, that's You'll it. live longer.
1: That's the important point you made. I don't, I'm happy you brought that up. Again, socialization is number one in terms of maintaining longevity. Keep your relationships, build relationships, and of course, as you age, they tend to get fewer and fewer, because you know what? Your good friends start to die, (laughs) that's what happens, so build new relationships, that's the key.
3: Oh, absolutely. Go and sit and chat with the woman, the checkout woman at a Walmart. I mean, you know, you don't have to, you know, reach out, get out of your comfort zone and talk to them, say, hey, how's your day going?
1: You got Um, it.
3: Sometimes you get great answers.
1: Absolutely. Hey, Booth, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. you listen to the Bob Harden show so why not market your company to our loyal listeners Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on bobharden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden. She writes greetings from paradise. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and publisher of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Good morning, sir. How are you?
1: Good. Tell us about Less Government.
4: Yeah, we exist through this size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and I'm staring at a mosquito in my shower, so I have to kill that, too. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Government is expanding right now. In fact, you wrote about it. Earth proves, of course, more regulation means less private investment. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Yes, you know, one of the ongoing uh, Okay, the evolution of net neutrality in the United States is basically this. Uh, Tim Wu was a college professor who created the term and the concept in 2002 or 2003. And the concept is internet service providers must be regulated by government so as to not accept paid prioritization, uh, to not block content. uh, It basically turns them into dumb tubes. Now, anybody who knows anything about the internet wants the internet providers to to provide smart tubes. You don't want the email from the Nigerian prince traded the same way as the email from your mother, for example. Uh You want to discriminate based upon content in all sorts of circumstances. You want paid prioritization. Paid prioritization means, you know, if you want remote surgery on your eyes for cataracts from a doctor on the other side of the country, you'd like him to be able to pay extra for a dedicated connection so he's not competing for you know connection to your eyes with the guy, with Netflix Ned down the street watching five HD movies at the same time right um, all these things make sense you know we have paid prioritization everywhere you know how many different rates of speed can you send something via UPS right that's paid prioritization um, so anyway this net neutrality concept was created in two thousand and two or three. Uh, the Democrats could never get it off the ground legislatively, so in 2010, and then again in, t- in 2010, they passed it, uh, they imposed it by the Federal Communications Commission. Uh, it was basically overturned by the courts, so then Obama went even further and reclassified the Internet as Title II. What does that mean? That means... 1888 railroad law and 1934 landline phone law will now be applied to the internet yeah which of course is absurd because uh, um, obviously a railroad is binary right you can go in two directions on the track a phone line is binary you can go you know back and forth between two phone phone uh, connections The internet is a web it's a it's multiple direction omnidirectional, uh, state of connectivity. So to apply these binary laws to it it is completely absurd. Mm. Well, in 2017, God bless the Trump administration, their FCC reversed what the 2015 Obama FCC did and dumped these rules on their heads. Now, since that reversal, a- at the time of the reversal, the, the Trump FCC said, One of the reasons we're doing this is, besides the fact that it's unnecessary, because no ISPs block anybody, um, we're doing it because it reduced investment in the sector, and we obviously need a lot of investment in the sector to continue to connect people and continue to build up speed. Well, Bizarrely, because, you know, when in the course of human history has massively increased government regulation, not reduced investment, the zeitgeist in America, the, the, you know, the cabal said, no, it didn't didn't reduce investment. There's no proof of that. Well, there's a report by a, a buddy of mine named George Ford at the Phoenix Center, and he looked, and of course, yes, it did. It reduced it by like thirty mm. uh, percent over the course of the year plus it was um, in place uh, under Title Two, but it was this big, you know, it was this big gaslighting project by the United States media to say no, it didn't reduce uh, investment. What are you talking about? You're, you know, what? You, you're, you're you're completely. You're, who are you going to believe? Me or your lying eyes? Well, a study just came out about two weeks ago a global study of the 37 OCED countries, which is basically the 37 largest economies on the world, they looked at 32 of them. 30 of them had imposed network neutrality. Two of them hadn't. And guess which two didn't have a decrease in investment? (laughs) The two that didn't impose network neutrality rules, regulations, and laws. So, I mean... It's pretty obvious on a global you know, once we got past the you know, the, the the US zeitgeist trying to gaslight us and lie to us about investment when regulations are increased, they we went global and looked at the entire planet and said, Okay we have 30 countries that imposed net neutrality and two that didn't. Oh, and look, the two that didn't had massively increased uh, do- investment dollars placed Brad, into their Brad internet
1: network. I, I, to, you know, to me, I just can't even believe we're still talking about net neutrality. Oh, What's it's it?
4: going to be back here shortly.
1: Wow, unbelievable. The,
4: the, the, right now, the, the Federal Communications Commission is made up of five commissioners, one of whom... Is the chairman. So it's five voting commissioners, but one of them is chairman, Mm. but they vote like a commissioner. So it's always three to two of the president's party. Mm. Well, right now it's two to two because Mm. of the change in administrations from Democrat, from Republican to Democrat. And it's two Republicans, two Democrats. There's going to be a fifth appointment, a Democrat appointment. Um, it has to be Senate confirmed. And I guarantee you, five seconds after the third Democrat is confirmed to the FCC, they will vote to reimpose Title II. That's what the railroad law, phone law mess is. It's called Title II reclassification. Title One is a, called an information service. It's, it's relatively lightly regulated, and that's where the Internet has always been. Yeah until 2015, when they reclassified it under Title II, which is landline-phone line. And the, the landline-phone line laws are from 1934, and they're actually modeled after and predated by the 1888 railroad laws.
1: Yeah, this is bad and news. that's this...
4: what Obama imposed in 2015, and that's what Biden will impose again once they get a fifth commissioner on the FCC.
1: Yeah, now we, we have some issues that we need to face, and that's, of course, in the, under the Section 230. That's That's got to be addressed. But right. this whole notion about uh, net neutrality, to me, just leave it alone. Well, and sh-
4: here's the fun part. The, the net neutrality rules that are going to be, the regulations that are going to be imposed, only apply to Internet service providers, mm. who... If you ask the most virulent net neutrality proponent, please cite for me an example of Internet service providers blocking anybody from anything. And they can't. They admit begrudgingly there are no examples of Internet providers because they want you to hire them. Right. If you're going to block them from websites they're trying to get to, you will fire them and get someone else.
1: If anything, they're trying However, to expand. They're trying to expand the number of uh, uh, outlets that they have in order to draw more customers.
4: To draw more traffic and more money. Right. Meanwhile, who's blocking content all the time? Mm. Yeah. The edge providers is what they call Google, Facebook, Twitter. They're blocking people. All the time, do yeah. the net neutrality rules, the neutri- you know, treat every bit equally? Rules apply to them? No, they don't. Yeah. In fact, it's a huge crony gift to them because under the net neutrality rules, the ISPs, the internet providers, cannot charge these giant bandwidth hog companies for any of the bandwidth they use.
1: Yeah. See, my leg. So the we fa- get
4: to pay more to subsidize Google and Facebook. And Twitter.
1: It's just not right. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. Encouraged to visit the website lessgovernment.org. And, of course, visit uh, Less Government on Facebook as well. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thanks so much for joining us.
4: Thank you very much, sir.
1: My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. She writes, greetings from paradise. She's also pretty knowledgeable about what's happening around the world. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Come back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the lovely Linda Harden. She writes, Greetings from Paradise has a reputation for doing that for years, and we haven't seen much of it lately. But, Linda, thank you so much for joining us.
5: You're welcome. Good morning. And it's the cancel culture that has done in Greetings from Paradise, at least for the time.
1: being. Well, I know a lot of folks are hoping that you'll get back to it sooner or later, but irrespective. Anyhow, it's great to have you on the show.
5: You are four weeks and one day out from your surgery. Congratulations.
1: Oh, thank you. Yes, it's true. And uh going to see the surgeon today. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know why. I don't know why either. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully he'll say say good things about my back. I'm not sure.
5: I've never heard anybody say they're looking forward to seeing the surgeon. Well,
1: his work is done, I hope. So in any event. uh,
5: You're getting a sign-off from a couple different people, though, the nurse and the rehab person, so that's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: so I'm all grateful for that. Grateful for good health. Grateful for you. Grateful for so many things.
5: You know what I'm not grateful for? I'm not grateful for a congressman. Pass this daylight
1: savings time thing into
5: so it's we don't have to deal
1: with it. You know what? I am so happy you brought that up. I think it's been at least it was during the Scott administration, so it's at least three or four years where we voted and passed a law, and the, and the governor signed it into law that we wanted daylight savings time year round for all of Florida. Now, you may be aware that some part of Florida is in the central time zone. I am. So, in, in effect, what it would do is make all of Florida daylight savings time year-round.
5: It's not rocket science. It's not, this.
1: no. And for whatever reason, probably because there's a majority because of... Because they're inept. And Well, it could be also because the, the Democrats don't want to uh, pass it because it's... It was a Republican bill, but irrespective, I would really appreciate that because I really don't like this time change twice a year. Nope,
5: and you know what? It's just it's just harder in the fall. It's fine because we gain an hour, but that lost hour, I really miss it. Yeah, I really miss it. Um, so,
1: but. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling a little tired today. Maybe that's the reason.
5: That's the reason I couldn't get out of bed. Could yeah. not get out of bed.
1: Oh well, how about that? So, what do you think about what's happening on the southern border?
5: I think it's I think it's sad. I think it's I think it's a crisis. I think it's a disaster. The only thing that's good about it is that it's got the Democrats on with their hair on fire because they can't figure out what to do about it. And their their ploy now is to play to blame. Uh, the trumpster about it and that's not flying
1: at all <laughs> so how in the heck is it trumpster's fault i mean he wants to build the wall finish the wall he wants to have uh, immigration but he wants to have it based merit based immigration how in the heck can it possibly be trump's fault
5: it well it doesn't matter because uh, nancy pelosi and those democrats are using their old ploy where, where they just tell a lie give it to the media and the media runs with it yeah. so so they don't care fox news is now absolutely focused on but now they're 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 having people come over um, vast amounts of people come over the border and guess what they're separating children again the cartels are, are making a whole lot of money and they're bringing all sorts of illnesses and whatever along with them so the biden administration is going to have some serious issues coming up with all these all these uh, illegal aliens with illnesses and, and criminals and all this other it's It's a hot mess, for sure.
1: Well, the, there have been 14, I think, 14 attorneys general who have brought this issue to court. Of course, that's going to take a little while to work its way through the whole court system. But in addition to that, the National Guard has been called out by Texas, as well as other states. So they are trying to, to put a halt to this, but now they have kids in cages. Apparently, <laughs> so these kids haven't seen the daylight for a long period of time. They can't get a shower, can't get take care of themselves, can't get clean.
5: No, so meanwhile, uh, the Biden administration is trying to get a handle on making sure that everybody gets a vaccine, which we don't know what's in, Mm -hmm. which people are suffering side effects from, oh, by the way, and yet they're allowing all these people to come in uh, without COVID tests and everything over the border. It's so hypocritical. It's just screaming. By the way, let me just change topics for one second here. And that is the cancel culture, which we started out with. They are canceling Dr. Seuss. They are canceling Dumbo. They are canceling all these things on, on uh, Disney, whatever that that we grew up with. And yet, on the Grammy Awards the other night, there was the most disgusting display of that dance, of of dance, lesbian yeah. dance. That it was that it was just cheered. And I'm wondering when lightning from heaven is going to strike and just blow up all this
1: nonsense. Take a look at the other side of this. What's happened to the Grammy Awards? What's happened to the viewership of these things? It's down. It's plummeted. Nobody has an interest in this. Uh, And with regard to cancel culture, um, to me, it would be a shame is if, for example, Collier County Schools, they cancel out the Dr. Seuss books. Could that possibly happen? I hope not.
5: Well, I don't know about Collier County. I don't know what what
1: well, my point, my point being is that uh, the attempt to do this doesn't necessarily make it happen. What I'd like to see, by the way, and I'm happy you brought this up, I'd like to see, for example, uh, Florida schools adopt the 1776 project, cancel out the 1619 project. I'd like to see all kinds of things done that can cancel out and resist the attempts of what's happening on, on a federal level to uh, diminish the power of uh, education here in in uh, Florida.
5: Yeah, that's great. Um, the only thing th- that's good about this happening is that people are actually getting their eyes open to what's going on with the liberal left and and how they've overstepped their bounds with trying to cancel out anything they don't like. I saw an interesting post on on um, social media the other day, and it says, "Why are we worried about these people being offended by?" Let them be offended, and let us go on with our lives. Being offended by Doctor Seuss and, and and Dumbo and all these things that shows a light on how how what snowflakes they are. Mm-hmm. And, and let them be offended.
1: Yeah. No. No. You're absolutely right. Well, to me, what I count on is having a strong governor, strong state legislature. Thank the Lord for DeSantis. Yeah, for DeSantis to protect to protect us from uh, the the onslaught of what this this liberal agenda because. We do have the power of the state government to protect us from all this nonsense.
5: Speaking of state governments, did you probably read this morning that that um, all this, this money that the Senate or the Congress just passed, this, um, what do you call it? the infra- Not the infrastructure, the s- but the stimulus. stimulus plan. So it's going to, um, it's being distributed in, in California now. They're not opening their schools, but guess who's getting the money?
1: The unions. The unions are, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a. We it's, don't have enough time to talk about all. No, this we stuff. don't. It's just really a shame uh, to w- what's going on right now. We don't have one point nine trillion dollars to distribute to these states, for ver- the for reasons are. Governor Scott called for. Governor, I call him Governor Scott. Senator Scott has called for re- to return all the money for not only Florida but for all states to return any kind of stimulus money coming from the federal government. It's not going to happen. We know it won't happen, but uh, I think he's absolutely right. We just don't have the money to spend it. The money's not there. Thirty trillion dollars in debt. Who's going to pay it back?
5: Well, now, now the Biden administration is going to. They want to up the taxes, so they're going to try to do it that way. But most of the stuff, they haven't even printed the money yet.
1: Yeah, unbelievable, Linda Harden, You're always bringing up great stuff. I appreciate your these thoughts on the cancel culture and other things. One a thought to leave with. Oh apparently. my
5: goodness! It's you know, it's it's. Good thing I'm only half awake because there's so much so much other stuff to talk about. <laughs> to talk about. about,
1: indeed. Well, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. All right, well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Andy Joppa. Andy is a professor and also author of Josephus of Oz. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of several books. His latest, <laughs> I have, I'm reading it right now, and I don't have it in front of me, so I don't. I can't tell you what the name of it is, but nevertheless, such a talented writer, such an interesting guy. He'll be on the show as well. I hope you may, and by the way, I appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>